1: Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams, Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. Coming off a 21-0 win from Georgia over Kentucky. Rain-soaked game, ugly first half. We're going to talk about all of it. We're going to talk about the offense and the unrest and and everything that, that has to do with that game. We're going to cover it front, back, sideways, everything. Pretty much like the rain covered that field on Saturday and uh, we're gonna get into some other stuff later in the show, including a uh, a Rusty Mansell celeb sighting uh, uh-huh. up in uh, North Georgia. Uh, but 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 first, before we get into that, uh, Rusty, how's it going, man?
0: I'm here, uh, dry. Actually took actually went to the game yesterday and had some last minute tickets. And the only reason I I was sitting a covered area, so we're able to take the, uh, the the my little one there. So we had a great time and. Uh, but man, it was. We'll talk about this. But it, I, I'm, you go back to that Texas Tech game in the early mid '90s. I think '94, '95, I believe. Heinz uh, Ward flipping the end zone that play. I've never been a part of watching a game in person where it was just that miserable. And, and kudos to the crowd; that was there. I mean, I know it couldn't have been sixty thousand there, but man, I mean, to sit in that for for three hours with with something else
1: get what's going on with you man
2: uh went up spent time with family over the weekend it's crazy you go up to you know Murfreesboro Nashville Tennessee 20 degree dro- uh, uh increase in temperature going up there it's just weird you know uh, I went up there wearing jeans and 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 f- wish I had taken shorts it was 76 80 degrees when I got there but uh that trip back uh you know I know a lot of people experience this in the uh the the season opener but Man, that Highway 24 can really get you when you start getting close to Chattanooga. Uh, oh, I, I, you you only have you don't have any options really once you start getting close, hitting around that that turn. I think Kimball, Hailtown, and uh, and I was real glad to get that Google Maps uh, alert that there was a uh, a highway basically parallel to 24. About saved me an hour and a half, and and that's. That was a real big win for me today. I felt like you know, I felt like I won the weekend when I waved to all the people that were still on the highway, knowing that about eight miles was about to save us about seventy minutes on our, on our trip home. So that was a big moment for me, but uh, you know, obviously a, a lot to talk about from from this weekend, but for me that that was the highlight for me this weekend.
1: Dude, I, I can feel you on that, and that's how you know you're thirty five or older when when stuff like that really fires you up. Oh, uh, because I can imagine how that felt. I was able to obviously being up in the press box was able to stay out of the rain on Saturday too. Only got a little wet going in because magically about 30 minutes after the game ended, the rain stopped. So, and uh, Rusty, I'm with you on that, man. It was it wasn't it didn't rain as hard as it did at times during the Alabama game in 2015. Sure. Uh, but but it rained all day, nonstop. And uh, and it was definitely a wetter game than that. I mean, I was down on the field uh, about two hours before the game and, and saw a little standing water there on the sides. Georgia had to bring in pieces of plywood to get stuff down to the sideline because they didn't want to tear the field up on its edges too much. It kind of reminded me when you combine temp and that of, I believe it was the 2004 Georgia Tech game the one where dj shockley came in the game david green and had hurt his hand and dj shockley came in and uh you know as great as dj shockley was as a quarterback at georgia in 2005 he was uh trying to kill worms on the ground with his passes in that game and just every one of them into the ground uh just torpedoing them into the ground it's, it's tough to throw the football in that weather we experienced that on saturday with georgia but, but, you know, I want to get into this and, and discuss it a little bit. I don't know that the weather actually affected, you know, how Georgia actually executed the passing game. I know one pass looked like it got away from Fromm, maybe two. But I think it more than anything affected the game plan. I think more than anything it affected how the coaches coached the game. And let's be real, guys uh, – it was pretty apparent early on that Kentucky wasn't going to be able to throw the ball at all. And so two for 16 on the night, you start to kind of feel that as a coach, you kind of coach to the game. I know everybody out there wants to say, Hey, keep your foot on the gas and beat teams down and dominate and all that stuff. And and, and that's great. I, I agree with that for the most part. But when you've got a team that you know is not going to move the football against you and, and that you can kind of win the war of attrition with in a game like that, it's, it's pretty tempting to go with that because it's a safe play and it's, it's, it's doing everything you can to win a ball game, doing whatever you have to do to win a ball game. And, and Rusty, that's kind of how I looked at it was, you know, the, the, the coaches and, and, and probably Kirby Smart doing it from the very top just kind of put this game plan in a box and said, this is what we're going to do, and as long as we take care of the football, we'll win, and I think that was kind of the philosophy there.
0: And I I don't think now Jake you were in there and I saw bits and pieces of, of things and I don't think Kirby Smart shied away from that in his press conference. Am I correct?
1: Right. Yeah. He he. I mean he he came out and and said that. Now at the same time, you know it wasn't like he said, hey, we. You know he didn't explicitly say what I just said. I felt like he kind of danced around it a little bit and, yeah. and and tried to indicate it without just coming out and saying. Because in some ways, I think if you come out and say that, maybe in the way I just said it as a coach, it's a little bit disrespectful. It comes across as disrespectful that we know they can't beat us if we don't turn it over. So we're just playing not to turn it over.
0: Yeah, and I think that – I don't know that the weather affected Georgia as much as Georgia prepared for the weather. I think the game plan was dictated by the weather. Because you see, as the later the week went on, on Thursday, it started getting worse and worse and worse. So you start as a coach thinking, what are we going to do? And that's just natural. I'm not blaming anybody for that. But I think the the forecast and the weather dictated what Georgia did Saturday night, what they prepared for. And, you know, I just think that Georgia wore them down, and that was the plan. And like you said, Kip, once they – I mean, Jake. Once they realized, and Bowden's a hell of an athlete. Now that guy is explosive in person. I don't know if TV did it justice, but man, he's something now, especially in space. And and they and, and Georgia's defense, their credit showed me some speed from some spots. Uh, J.R. Reach flashed, uh, Richard Account flashed a couple times. Tay Crowder, Quay Walker, but I just think. You know, there's so much people. So many people want to just do this and do that and rip this person, rip that. I think it was very vanilla. And right or wrong, Kirby Smart and his staff came in there to win this game, uh, do what they could do within the bounds of that of the weather. Uh, At times it was okay. At times it was really, really, really windy. And look, is Georgia's offense perfect? No, they've got some problems. I'm I'm not going to dance around that. There there's some problems there. But that's not going to be the game plan against Florida in two weeks. You know, unless there's another monsoon, you know, you know, that's not going to be the game plan. Georgia knows that they're going to have to run a different offense to beat Florida. I have no hesitation in saying that. But I feel like Georgia going into this game as a staff probably sat around and said, This is the weather, this is what we can do, and this is how we can win it. And I think that's how that game played out yesterday. There's a lot of this this and that, those types of things. But um, you know, I, I set up top and I watched that football game as close as I've ever watched one in the last ten years. And I don't get to go to a lot of games where I set up top. I usually I'm on the field working. Um uh, there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of players open. And I'll tell you this, they ran a lot more zone than I thought. I thought they would. Um so, but you know, we're going to talk about this before it's over with, but Georgia's going to have to get more creative at some things. But I'm telling you right now, there's some legit concerns at wide receiver right now for Georgia. And I'll end it with that as we discuss down the line a little more.
1: Absolutely. There there are. And there's some, you know, that Georgia's going to have to coach around that. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where I understand where people were coming from, coming off that loss to South Carolina, as bad as the offense looked and, and Georgia moved it really well against South Carolina. They just turned it over, and and folks wanted to see Jake Fromm have a bounce back game and, and prove that that was an anomaly. They wanted to, you know, to, for James Coley to have a bounce back game and prove that that was an anomaly. That they, they wanted those things in a big way, but when it when it didn't happen the way they wanted it to, and and it looked even worse. I think that just i think it just sent some folks into a tailspin as far as the, the the way they viewed the offense and i understand it um but but here's my here is my kind of view of it listen you get a chance to you know to to you know for lack of a better way to put it piss and moan all you want after the florida game if that offense doesn't look you know if it doesn't look a lot better because you know as long as it's as long as it's dry in jacksonville as long as it's manageable Georgia's going to come out, and they're going to have to let it all hang out because Florida's a good football team, and you don't beat teams like that holding anything back or, or playing it safe, and, and we'll see if Georgia can make it happen then. Kip, you, you got a different look. I mean, it's funny, you know, you got two people here that, that had a chance to watch it live and in person, but I have zero doubt in my mind that you probably got a chance to see more than we did from, from the television. What, what stood out to you in that game? What, what kind of caught your eye?
2: Well, two things. Overall, the end game result is far different than the journey to get there. I mean, if you tell coaching staff and a fan base, we're going to come close to covering while shutting the other team out without a turnover. I think universally, I mean, wouldn't everyone accept that as the end result? The issue is the journey to get there was was pretty rough. And so... Obviously, the first half is the focus of the outcome of this game, even though Georgia kind of, you know, took control in the second half, pitched their second shutout of the season. And, uh, you know, overall, they accomplished what they wanted to do. I mean, the whole point was to come through with a win and and to have as few injuries as possible in an SEC East matchup. And, you know, that's overall what Georgia was able to do. You know, on the positive side, I mean – outside outside zone running you know they they started hitting that outside zone and i mean it, I, I think everyone just had to have collectively you know just point to the screen and go there it is you know this is what we've been talking about uh, the the armchair offensive coordinators uh throughout the state of georgia and the southeast across the country were you know th- that's what we've been looking for and and they hit it with a lot of success as Jake, uh, you know, give credit where credits due, uh, properly pointed out in this earlier this week, and his uh, predictions uh, on the game on who would stand out. DeAndre Swift continues to shine against Kentucky in what might be his final game against the the Wildcats. And yeah, I mean, he had a great game, and and that offense looked great as far as that that outside zone attack. And I, again, to continue on that, I thought that. Uh, Isaiah Wilson, you know, in the, in the snaps that he played, it looks like he's getting more into you know where we thought he would be coming into the season. We had some inconsistencies on the offensive line, you know, most of it being on the the interior. But you know, Isaiah Wilson seems to be coming into his own and playing to the level that that we expected him to be able to. And you know, defensively, uh, I, I thought it was uh, interested to see how much. How much run that N'Kobe Dean and Quay Walker got in the game? I think Tay Crowder had a another very solid game. He does an outstanding job, you know, reading and and reacting to the play and getting there early. Uh, but still, saw saw a lot of N'Kobe Dean and and Quay Walker, the the guys I guess a lot of people think are the kind of the future of that that inside the linebacking group, and and, and they looked pretty solid for the most part. Uh, you know, Kentucky was. With what they have uh, at quarterback, when you have a guy making a position switch from from wide receiver and Lynn Bowden, the offense does change. I mean, it does become you know more uh, horizontally based than vertically stretching. So it's it's more again that read option type. But when you're playing a team like that, you got to have discipline on defense. You got to have that eye discipline. And for the most part, uh, I thought Georgia's defense. You know, showed a lot of that. I mean, he had a, a couple big runs, but he, as we've said, this guy is an outstanding athlete and, and a potential guy that's going to be first or second day pick, you know, in the draft that that Georgia handled pretty well. And for a defense that has a lot of guys that, uh, you know, are, are, are young and, and gaining experience, you have to, you know, be excited about that, that this is a Georgia defense that, for the most part, seems to be kind of coming together and, you know, uh mobile quarterback, athletic quarterback, for, they, they were able to contain him for pretty much the entire game. And it, that is something you could take into a big game coming up in two weeks and, and build upon. And and those guys are going to be playing with more confidence knowing that, they, you know, they've shined in in, in multiple weeks and, and, and done a pretty solid job. So, I know that the focus of this is going to be the passing game for Georgia, finding someone you know who could just bring an explosive spark to that passing game. But you still have some other things you can hang your hat on and continue to improve on. And there are a lot of positives to take from this game into the bye week, and, and then again focus on uh you know improving th- that vertical passing attack when you know what you're doing well. It allows you to kind of, you know, put a mic, put the microscope on and, and and focus on something that that you need to get better at, and that could be a good thing for Georgia with Florida right around the corner.
1: Two things on this before we kind of uh, end our recap of the game: one, limiting Lynn Bowden to to on explosive plays. I think he had one carry of twenty yards, was as longest as of the night. That's huge because, like Kirby Smart said, it, you know, when when you talk about having a guy that that gets to catch the ball as a return man or catch it on screens and stuff, have his blocking set up. Well, he does that as a as a shotgun snap every play, and you know, it's you're bound to uh, mess up or fit a run wrong, and and have him really break out and do something big against you. Georgia did a good job of that. And two, I mentioned this in snap judgments. I mentioned it a couple times on the board uh over at dogs 24 7 but guys i really think that georgia's effectiveness with that outside zone play the effectiveness on the edge put something on film that helps georgia run the ball between the tackles a little better now i don't know that that it's going to play out that way it's it's kind of that's that's kind of tough to predict but it can very much help Georgia against Florida, against Missouri, against Auburn, all these teams down the road as they prepare to face Georgia. Because listen, when you're when prior to this week, you're sitting there thinking, all right, anchor, don't give up movement against the inside zone on give your linebackers a chance to get there build a wall at the line of scrimmage and you will limit georgia's run game now you can't really do that you can't really just kind of you know drop your weight and hold your ground because you've got to be ready to run if georgia gets outside of you they can really gash you and so i think that's something that's really going to help this offense moving forward the inside zone is still a big part of it because it's kind of the basis for your play action and and rpo stuff but I think that's, that's something that, that is going to benefit Georgia down the line is how well they ran the ball outside. Let's take a quick break, real quick, and, uh, and let these folks read their ads. And, and we'll get back to you on the other side of the break where we're going to talk a little bit more about Georgia's offense and, and what might need to change uh, during this bye week. And then, you know, in order for Georgia to beat Florida here in a couple weeks.
0: Challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right, getting back into the offense. Okay, um, Kip, what are your thoughts on the offense and and the the fact that I or I guess not the fact, but the question: legitimate concerns or not? Are they there for you? They
2: are. I mean, there's no sugarcoating this. We can't. You, you know, I just talked about how you have some things you could take into this bye week and be excited about. On the flip side, there are definite, you know, concerns because we don't we don't expect Lawrence Cager to be able to, you know, show, suit up and and play in Jacksonville at this point. And that was the one guy who had developed into that dependable, consistent guy who's going to catch those downfield passes from Jake Fromm, and now you know, we've seen that some of the players have not really stepped up as playmakers. I mean, you look at uh, Tyler Simmons, you look at Matt Landers, those guys have not really consistently been able to make plays when Georgia needs them to. So at this point, you really only have four guys, you know, in the passing game that you know can, can make some plays. And George Pickens, and uh, Dominic Blaylock, you know, and, and, and then Demetrius Robertson. And, and uh, you know, those are the guys that have kind of, you know, performed so far this year. And that's not a big group. You know, if, you, if you're if you going in with just three three playmakers, of wide receiver, on an offense that likes to rotate these guys in, that ask a lot of these guys and, and is going to be asking a lot in a, a big top ten matchup, that is definitely something, you know, that, that kind of has you, you know, looking at that and thinking, how is Georgia gonna make this work? And at the same time, you know, Jake Fromm is 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 definitely, you know, not for the most part has been throwing a lot of balls that are that are like 50-50 balls. I mean, that's kind of been the focus. That that back shoulder fade, you know, the the attacking the outside. And, and for the most part, you know, defenses have kind of they they know that's coming. And they've contested a lot of these balls and made it more difficult for Georgia to have that, you know, that again, downfield passing attack. So it's it's definitely something that if you're James Cole and Kirby Smart, I mean, you're definitely aware of it. You know it's there. And and that you the good news is now you, you can go back to the film room and you can you can work on it during practice and, and try to open some things up. I mean, you can't just go in there thinking that if you do the exact same thing, you're going to be able to execute. Because now we have enough film to kind of know that there are some things that Georgia's doing well and there's some things that Georgia's struggling in, and that's definitely one of them. So, I mean, you, you, you got to at least expect them to try to make a different game plan than what Florida's going to expect them to do based on the first seven games of the season. So I, I think that if... If you think that Georgia is just going to be able to come in and do the exact same thing and score 35 or more points against Florida, I don't think that's true. I mean, if they go out there and try to do the same thing, I think you're looking at, you know, 20 to 24 points. And that might not get it done with a Florida team that's starting to put it together with Kyle Trask and 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 having a more balanced attack than what we've seen from Florida the past five, six, seven years. So it's definitely something Georgia has to to, to try to take care of if they're going to win this game and if they're going to try to run the table, which is obviously still the goal moving forward.
1: Uh, Rusty, what are your thoughts on the offense and, and kind of about the concerns and, and where do you stand on that?
0: I've thought a lot about this the last couple, last 24 hours. And I'm going to say one thing, and then I'll lead into the point I'm saying, and I look back at Jake Fromm and his career, and you look back at his freshman year, how good he was at times and just outstanding sophomore year. He just – you know, the LSU game stands out. Just and, and, and other than that, he played pretty damn good. And he he tore Florida up last year, let's be honest. I go back and look at 2017, and you insert Jake Fromm based off the injury. And never gives the job back. He's playing with Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle. Nick Chubb, NFL superstar, playing great. Sonny Michelle, first round draft pick. He's got Isaiah Wynn, first round draft pick. Javon Williams, NFL starter. Miko Hardman, NFL starter. Terry Godwin on an NFL roster now. Uh, practice squad, I think. Isaac Nauta on an NFL practice squad. There was a lot of weapons around him. And I'm not saying let me get to my point. I watched Georgia last night on the edge and I know they've got some injuries there and some things going on to me. I'm just going to be honest. I'm not seeing a lot of guys that I feel like measure up that 2017 team right now. Deandre Swift is a freak show. I'm talking about on the edge guys, uh, not creating separation, not They're just not getting open. I mean, and listen, there were some times last night that Fromm held on to the ball too long. There were some times I disagreed with a play calling. But the overall, from my point of view of watching that game from basically the other side of the stadium from you, Jake, with good elevated view, and I watched a lot of series, and those guys weren't open. Just weren't open. And, and the 50-50 ball is not there because – You know, Cager's out right now. You know, they throw picking some things and some targets. Uh, You know, you go back and watch last week, too, as well. Now, what I will say is this. Georgia knows they've got to have a different game plan to beat Florida. So whatever they've got in that bag and whatever they're going to do to create to help those guys, you're going to see it. There's no holding back in this game. I always talk about the shortest handshake you'll ever see between Kirby Smart and Dan Mullen. And it'll be even shorter this year than it was last year. I, any result. In fact, I want to see if the, the interaction pregame. I mean, I don't expect anything, but I don't think it's going to be long. So, you know, I watched today. Kip probably saw this play. The Rams ran a rub route on... Vic Beasley, for Todd Gurley. And they created just an ounce of separation on that play, and that's all Todd Gurley needed. But they gave him an opportunity to get open on a little back wheel route, and a wide receiver did his job and just nicked Beasley enough to where Gurley got him on his hip and it was over. Things like that is what you've got. You've got to get creative in some stacks and those types of things. But the receivers at the end of the day, they got to make some plays. And last night, a lot of those things, man, they were—they just weren't getting off defenders. And that, that is concerning to me because I went back and looked at everything and thought, you know, where are they at? Lost a lot of guys. Jeremiah Holland was a big loss. I want to see Demetrius Robertson. I want to see Dominique Blaylock with a few more touches, that type of thing. Because right now, just backing things up and trying to, to look at the overall thing right now, it's a little concerning to me Uh, if you're a Georgia fan at the wide receiver position and where they're at right now, they had some guys. uh, I'm a big George Pickens guy. I'm a big Dominique Blaylock guy. But, you know, I know Kyrus Jackson's been banged up. Now Cager's banged up. I mean, they're they're, they're seriously thin at that position, and they need those guys to produce. They're going to need them in two weeks. But the one thing I think as a Georgia fan, and everybody be happy, to to think George is not going to come out and just try to run the ball. They're going to have to make some plays because Todd Grantham is going to come after you. He's going to put numbers in the box, and he's going to think his three corners, his nickel and two corners, are better than George's wide receivers. They're going to have to make some plays. They will get some opportunities. Jake Fromm, one of the best balls he threw last year. Jake, I me mean, you talked about it before that ball he threw to Holloman, in the corner, one on one was was outstanding. Uh, on that play. A hell of a catch by Holloman, but they'll get opportunities, and you're going to find out in two weeks where Georgia is offensively. You do not have to wait again because anything they've got in the bag, they're going to run it that week.
1: Absolutely, and you know, I've got real big concerns about this offense, and I know that if you're a member of of Dogs 24-7 and and we converse on the message boards and I'm kind of pushing against that there and, and saying wait and see, there's a difference. Between having concerns and having my mind made up that James Coley and Jake Fromm suck and they're not very good, I, I don't think the latter. I, I think what I've said before: I have some serious concerns about this. I have serious questions about this offense. Okay, and it, it, it's from a play calling standpoint. It's from what Rusty touched on with receivers not separating. It's also based on Jake Fromm playing better, and and we've seen him play better a lot more times than we've seen him play this bad and this worse or worse. than he did against South Carolina. So I don't think it's fair to sit here and pretend like Jake can't, Jake Fromm can't do this, Jake Fromm can't do that. He can. I mean, some of the best balls he's ever thrown have been deep balls. Some of the other ones have been balls over the middle. Georgia hasn't worked the seams, and it hasn't worked the middle of the field as much this year as it has in the past, uh, especially not as effectively as it has but but that's that's kind of my you know those are my concerns they've got to get better play out of jake Fromm. they've got to get better play out of the receivers they've got to get better calls to put these guys in better chances position in position to make plays and there are two elements i think could really help georgia against florida and this kind of goes into the kind of the solution umbrella of what we're talking about is number one getting Demetrius Robertson fully healthy. He's been battling a hamstring for weeks. I think that has kind of cut down on his explosiveness. And and when you cut down on a receiver's explosiveness, it's not just after the catch you're talking about. You're talking about a guy's ability to separate there, too. And a chance to maybe scale back a little bit on that hamstring and get it healthy, I think, would very much help Georgia's passing game. I am also very anxious to see if this coaching staff is going to put James Cook in a position to run routes downfield and to catch the ball on the move. And and he caught like a little curl route for about eight or nine yards against South Carolina. But other than that, you don't see the guy doing stuff past the line of scrimmage very much. It's bubble screens. It's slip screens. It's it's your typical cross screens, running back type stuff. I, I want to see if they try to use him a little bit more as a receiver because he's an elite athlete. He's got great speed. I don't think he's a it is an elite shake guy. I don't think he's one of those uh, yeah. th- I think that's why you probably don't see him doing more as a punt returner because he's not the kind of guy that's just going to create big play after big play and make guys miss uh, in, in a short area. He, that's not really his game. He's a little bit more like a Miko Hardman, maybe a little smoother than Miko, But but I think that he's a guy that, that you can kind of get involved in the RPO game. He's a guy that, you know, you, Rusty, you pointed out that Todd Gurley play with uh, Vic Beasley. Uh, he's a guy that you can get uh, redirect the guy that's on him in man, man coverage and maybe get him open on a wheel route for a big play. Georgia, Georgia actually hit a really nice wheel route against Florida last year that I think ended up getting called back. Maybe it was offensive pass interference. But they tried to play like that against Florida last year to Charlie Warner and, and bit off a big chunk of yardage. But Georgia's got to – got to polish up on their man coverage beaters because they're going to see a lot of it. Yeah. and And they've got to polish up on their pass protection because they're going to see some five-man pressures, a lot of them. And uh, and ultimately, they've got to do a better job of a better ball placement in the 50-50 situations, coming down with the ball in the 50-50 situations, and then also just creating some separation whenever they need it. And all of that goes on top of what Georgia wants to do most, and that's run the football. And and those are some things that Georgia's just going to have to clean up this week. That is the key to getting this offense back on track. And then from a coaching standpoint, attack the width of the field. You know, I'm not saying have a guy in every 10 yards or whatever. That's not important. But you can't you can't go running a dozen plays a game where you where you don't even threaten the middle of the field. And I know sometimes that's that's dictated by side adjustments when teams teams when you start looking at, and I don't want to get too technical with this, but when teams are really attacking the line of scrimmage with their linebackers and and they know they're doing that and they don't necessarily have a guy to drop into coverage or a free man underneath to to kind of guard against the ball over the middle, they'll play inside leverage and force you outside. Well, I think Georgia needs to force the issue. Start trying to cross some defenders' faces a little bit, to, You know, kind of cross up the leverage some and, and, and make them pay for that because those are situations where, where big plays get made. And, and I think that it's time that Not all the time. I think the take what the defense gives you is a sound philosophy, but I also think there's a time where you as an offense have to force the issue and scare the defense a little bit. And I think Georgia has the athletes to do that and and, and make those things happen. Uh, Looking ahead uh, to this game, Rusty and Kip, uh, and and Kip, I'll start with you. Anything – is there one thing – and let's just try to limit it to one. Is there one thing you think Georgia can do, can fix, can adjust to get better on offense – uh, going into to this Florida game.
2: I mean, I think the main thing is definitely getting healthy. If you have a healthy Demetrius Robertson and, and Kiaris Jackson, for that matter, I mean, I, I, we still haven't really seen what he can bring to the table completely. We haven't seen either of those guys, you know, completely healthy. But, yeah, at the same time, just giving Florida a different look, you know, coming out there and showing them something that is not on tape right now, uh, would be tremendous for Georgia just from, you know, that causing that defense to to have to be a little bit more disciplined and, and to have them playing on their heels a little bit more. You know they're going to try to bring some heat and, and they're going to try to pressure Jake Fromm. Uh, so anything you can do to keep them on their heels and to maybe uh, push those safeties back a little bit more is it, going to do wonders for you, especially when you're trying to, to you know, Grind that football in the second half and, and win in the in, in the run game and get DeAndre Swift and you know Brian Herring and Zamir White some big uh, chunks of yardage. So if you can get a guy that that can you know get some separation out there and and break open a big play, that's obviously going to put everybody back on their heels and, and really just open up your whole playbook. Georgia has the capability of doing that early in the football game. And they really – I mean, that should be the focus of this bye week is is, is how do we knock Florida back on their heels and, and and cause them to kind of question go back to the drawing board with a new look and something that, that they were not prepared for during the bye week.
1: Rusty, what's the one adjustment, tweak, complete overhaul that, that you see that might be able to help Georgia uh, out in this game? Um,
0: Taking some shots downfield. And listen, I don't I don't really play into um much of last night. It just, you know, the more I see, the more, you know, was there, the more I hear. Georgia went into that game. Look, I think San Francisco won at Washington today nine to nothing in a in a rainstorm. I mean, it you just some of those games it happens like this, okay? I'm not I'm not taking up for anybody. I know people just want us to rip calls and everything else. Say this. You're going to see where Georgia's offense is in two weeks. No questions asked. I still think from the schematic side, they have got to take some shots down the field. I think Jake Fromm was one for eight over 16 yards in the South Carolina game. They got to try some people. That Demetrius Robertson play, I go back to that Tennessee game. Um, You know, Lawrence Cager. Uh, You know, some of the plays he made in that Tennessee game. I really thought Georgia was about to start clicking a little bit because once they got rolling in that game, uh, I I felt like vertically they were challenging some people. But I want to see how creative they get with their personnel, their wide receivers, those types of things. I'm going to end on this subject. Jake, I know you're going to break this down because you've talked about this for a long time. Just early now, really like Georgia's offensive line. Against those Florida interior guys, but we'll talk about that more as we get into the next week or so.
1: Yeah, and and I'll say this about taking shots downfield. I mean, get yourself in a second and short or something like that, and run a pick play. Okay, maybe you get an offensive pass interference, maybe it stalls the drive, but but it's kind of like it's kind of like in you see these TV dramas, these court dramas or whatever, and the the prosecutor rattles a witness or the defense rattles a witness and and then somebody objects and the judge tells the jury to disregard what they just heard you can't you can't disregard what you just heard you heard it it's going to play into your it's going to play into your psyche one way or the other and yeah one of those plays may get called back or, or you may end up getting a, a pick called on you and, and losing 15 yards and may end up having to punt because of it but you're not going to forget as a defense what they did and how they got open deep on you uh, and, and yeah, you may not take as you may not have as big of an uh, a um you may not have as big of a, it may not have as big of an impact as it would if if it doesn't get caught and if it actually is a 40, 50 yard gain on you. But ultimately, you are going to kind of heed that. You are going to have to be careful with that, and and that's something I think Georgia needs to do. Uh, Rusty, before we close this thing up, celebrity sighting Rome, Georgia. Not <laughs> maybe not Rome, but north northwest Georgia. Who'd you see?
0: I don't know if it's a celebrity. I'll tell you oh, what.
1: Man, it's, a, it's a celebrity.
0: So many people came up to him. It's uh, Ran into Mike Bobo Friday. And, uh, you know, it was crazy because it, so many people here recognize him. So many people here, uh, you know, longtime Georgia coach, longtime player. Uh, my connection with Mike, he was in Rome, third, fourth, fifth grade. Uh, we got some, some time there. Ran back into each other again in high school. So there, there's – kind of been a connection way back in the day there um knowing mike and some mutual friends and those types of things but he was at darlington on friday and uh was watching griffin brewster the 2020 quarterback play and you know it was funny because my phone started started getting texts people people you know hey is mike bobo in rome hey is mike bobo ask mike bobo if he's going to george ask mike bobo that you know mike bobo was here recruiting for colorado state you know he, he went to rome saw a kid he went to Carter's saw a kid and he went to a game Thursday night or Friday night. You know, he flies in. They said it's six o'clock in the morning from Denver. Flew back out at uh, six a.m. Saturday morning. Interesting. His son is that he has a sophomore offensive tackle, Drew, who's 6'5", 270. Tennessee just offered him. Uh, so and he's got a, a middle son, uh, one of those triplets. It's like a seventh grader. Jake is definitely the athlete, of the family, but Drew, his uh, firstborn son. Uh, six five two seventy. 270. Uh, it's funny that now that Coach Bubba is going to see the opposite side of recruiting and people were recruiting him. So uh, it was good to talk to him. Didn't ask him anything about Georgia. I can say this. He was fully focused on Colorado State, some things he needed to do, some things that they were trying to do. Just been banged up with in, in, you know, injuries. But I'll tell you this, and you know I don't want to speculate on anything, but him and Kirby Smart are very tight. They are very, very, very tight, always have been very tight. So, uh, you know, those two, you know, worked on a staff together. In fact, Bobo recruited Kirby to come and and got Mark Rick to hire Kirby tomorrow on the offensive side of the ball in 2004, I believe, uh, or 2005. So, you know, whatever happens there with him, I didn't bring it up, but it was good to see him. He's in a lot better health. He's walking great. Uh, same Mike Bubba, the people that listen to this know him, great sense of humor, talk to anybody, you know, talking ball, listen to him, talk to Darlington coach for a little while, sitting there with those guys and, um, telling all the old stories from all the old days, but, uh, good to see him. And then, you know, main thing I would say is he's in great health, great spirits. And, and, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's trying to do his thing in Colorado state for sure.
1: Yeah. Always good. to you know, is, is, he's a different. Kind of guy in terms of how you view him because he left Georgia on his own for a promotion and and uh, you know you know that that he did a good job there at Georgia especially later on I mean it, you know some folks want to point to the Deshaun Watson thing and the Bryce Ramsey thing and all that but at the end of the day I mean Georgia was was really good on offense as he left and was getting when we're getting better and especially as the, in terms of the way they were running the ball, running it when everybody knew it was coming without an elite, elite offensive line. And and uh, I, I, for one, am really glad to hear that he's just doing well health-wise. That was a pretty scary situation he went yeah. through a little while back, and I'm yeah. um, just glad he's kind of on the other side of that. You know, the main
0: thing I would say, takeaways, he's he's in a lot better health than, you know, where he was last year, man. I mean, you know, not being able to walk and stand, and, you know, you, you know that coaching blood, he came back way too early, he came back two nights before. Opening game against Colorado, so uh, they got some important games coming up, and and for him. But I'll say this: that man was here recruiting for Colorado State, and he was he was working as if you know he's going to be at Colorado State for a while.
1: All right. Well, we're going to end it on that, and we'll be back with you guys later this week. Not a hundred percent what which direction we, we're going to go. We're gonna we got a couple ideas we're kicking around here for the bye week, but we will be back with you one more time this week. And then we'll really dig into Florida. I'm sure we'll talk about it some on the show later this week, but we'll really start to dig in next week. But for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, I'm Jake Rowe of Dogs 24-7. With me are my guys Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, and this has been the Junkyard Dogcast. Take care, everybody.